Are you looking for an internet talk radio station for your podcast? Look no further. At the helm of Passionate World Talk Radio are two women that want to provide a spot for you and your podcast to be heard. There are many other places for your podcast, but PWTR has the audience. You will not be disappointed. Our station has been on the internet for the past 16 years. Call us for more information. 484-364-1032 or text Jeannie White, station manager at T-H-E-C-O-N-N-E-C-T-S-H-O-W at gmail.com for a podcast show details. Welcome to Passionate World Talk Radio. Educate, enlighten, entertain. Ladies and gentlemen. What are you doing? What do you mean? I'm making Just keep it simple. I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, hey, we're the Brav Bros. Two guys that talk about Bravo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Brav Bros. No. Oh. Dude, stop with the voice. Just the vo- keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Brav Bros. Good job. Hi, everybody. This is Betsy Wurzel, your host of Chatting with Betsy on Passionate World Talk Radio Network, where our mantra is to educate, enlighten, and entertain. The views of the guests may not represent those of the host or the station. Folks, I'm excited. I know it's the end of November, but it is still National Caregivers Month, and we should acknowledge caregivers every day. If you know a caregiver, reach out to one. Throw them a gift. Do something special for them and their children. I know they would appreciate it. And it is also National Alzheimer's Month. Those who have lived with it, those who have experienced it as a caregiver, will never forget it. You, the public, need to know. You, the public, need to educate yourself. There is no cure, no treatment. If you think you are having memory problems, please see your physician. There's no shame. See your doctor and talk to your doctor about your concerns. Folks, you don't want to listen to this podcast. I'm excited. I have with me today a very special guest. I have Craig Fowler with me, who is founder and CEO of Joy Gage. Craig was on July 2nd. Go back to that show and find out about Joy Gage. But Craig is on because he's talking about advocacy his mom who had Alzheimer's and I am happy to have Craig back on the show. Welcome, Craig. Well, thank you so much, Betsy. It is wonderful to be back on. Thank you. Craig, you and I were, we we have a lot in common and we share a lot of the same uh, visions. Uh, I would like for you to uh, tell the audience your caregiving story. With your mom? Sure. Well, my mother, uh, Wanda, who is just a wonderful, wonderful person. I mean, I guess all of us feel like our mothers are wonderful, but my mom was really special. She uh, was diagnosed with early onset dementia. uh, In her early 60s, she lived for, I guess, around 12 years. Uh, 
with that and then passed away on Christmas Eve five years ago. And, you know, the journey with her was, was interesting, and I learned a lot. And uh, that journey, you know, made me really become an advocate. And, and, and afterwards, uh, I've now in the last five years been involved. I'm on the board of the Dementia Action Alliance. I've been very involved with the Alzheimer's Association. And, you know, I have a brigade that focuses on helping people with dementia. And it's, you know, she, uh, her journey, I think, was like a lot of people I talk about in that it was more normal than we knew, yet we were always told that she was different and that there was something wrong and that they could never get her medication right, that they could never get her what they call behavior right. And my mom, it was a struggle with her, especially in the last few years. And coming away from that, I became determined to try to be part of a movement that would make the lives of the people coming after me and, and my father, who, who was the daily caregiver for my mom, I really wanted to work to make their lives easier and to help the people like my mother living with dementia um, live better and have more knowledge and more options available. Yes. Um I am all for that, making life better for those who have dementia to live their best life possible. Because, as you know, Craig, people can live anywhere from up to 20 years after diagnosis, depending on their health, you know, and if they have underlying conditions. My husband lived uh, 10 years. Yes. And in the case of my mom, the one thing that I... um, I found that was really the biggest struggle that she had and that my dad had for probably, I would say, eight years of the time was that she was just bored. My mother was someone who had worked for years. She ended up retiring because of uh, having struggles at work with dementia and then then stopped being active in church and other activities and over time stopped even being able to do some of the things that she was doing at home, you know, enjoying movies and television with the short-term memory fading. It became harder and harder for her to enjoy those things. So with my mom, one of the key problems that we found we had was just finding ways to keep her engaged and active, but also to keep her feeling that she was contributing, which is a huge, it's a huge need we all have as humans, is to help others and to contribute. And especially for someone like my mom, it was such an active, caring, and giving person throughout her life. You know, looking back, I think she was quite frustrated in the, you know her last ten years that she was being cared for, but didn't have opportunities to uh, to give back like she always had. And and as part of forming Joy Gage, I wanted to seek out opportunities and bring them to people who have dementia to be more engaged in daily life, to be less bored and to have opportunities to to contribute and to help others. Yes, that is very important. I I think when people get that diagnosis, they think, oh, no, now i got to go home and wait to die. Well, why not live your best that you can while you can? Uh, This is what needs to change, I feel, Craig, when people get that diagnosis. Don't focus on, oh, when am I going to die? Focus on living. 
in living in the yes. now because that's what we have. Yes, absolutely. And you know, I think there are so many examples that I've learned in you know my advocacy journey and from forming Joy Gage over the last year. Um, you know, it, 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 there's so many things that you can still be active and engaged in when you have dementia. And I think one of the key things that I, I think it's, it's really the last three months from a number of experiences I've had, um, Betsy, is that it's important for individuals living with dementia to feel open to telling other people, hey, I have dementia and seeking out in the earliest times that, you know, in, in the early days when they're still functioning pretty well and, and, and aren't having as many issues to start um, the process and the journey of learning how to live well with dementia for, for many, many years, but to start it early and to be open about their diagnosis versus hiding the diagnosis, which is really, I think, what my mom did for years. She never wanted people to know she had dementia. She tried to hide it. She never um, even uttered the term uh, Alzheimer's or dementia. She wanted to avoid it. And looking back, um, I think there were a number of opportunities that we could have, uh, that, that I think would have came her way if the people around her had understood more about dementia. But also, I think we as a society need to educate all of us on living well with dementia and remove that stigma because the reason why, Betsy, I think people like my mother never wanted to admit they had dementia is society still places, you know, there's still a huge um, around dementia that shouldn't be there. Amen, Craig. <laughs> yes, I definitely, amen. Um, I feel that we need to, I used to, you know, go in my car and do videos, and I would say, you know, we need to come out of the dementia closet and shine a light on it, on our loved ones, personalize this disease, put a name and a face to this disease. And I really am glad now that more people with dementia are coming out and speaking up about their experiences, because this is how we learn, you know, sharing our stories and more caregivers are now showing their journey and they're speaking up. And I like to think that, you know, like I was one of the pioneers in that, of, you know, showing that journey. And yes, you can have a good time. You, you, your loved one can't still participate. You know, I, um, I was of the philosophy, you know, let's do what we can while we can, because there will come a point where you can't. So why not do it of what you can as much as you can while your loved one still can do it? Um, there's no need to sit in the house and to be isolated. Uh, that's how I feel. I mean, I know now it's different with COVID. I think you're exactly right. There are so many ways to enjoy life, and there are so many different options out there that actually can work well for, with people with um, dementia. You know, my, you know, Joy Gage, uh, if anyone would like to check us out, you can see Joy Gage. It's J-O-Y-G-A-G-E. Um, you can see us on social media. Also go to www.joygage.com. But one of the things we developed uh, that has really been 
well-received is, and it's, it seems like a very simple concept, but for movies, we have links to a lots of classic movies. And with those, we've created a simple one-page document that describes in detail each of four sections, the beginning, the early phase, the middle, and the end of the movie, uh, just on one page so that someone with dementia or, or even someone with another, just with memory have that sheet with them so when they're watching a movie and start forgetting or having a hard time piecing together what's happened, they always have that what we call cheat sheet to look at. And people, that's just one example of something that's pretty easy for us to create that lets someone living with dementia be able to enjoy watching a movie. And if you think of that one concept, it's similar to me in many ways to with someone with mobility issues. When I was a kid, it was very hard mobility issues to get around. You have buses, uh, stores, stairs, you know, there were stairways everywhere. Now um, we've done a wonderful job in, in, in the world of making uh, stores, public transportation, sidewalks, all accessible for people with mobility issues. I'd love to see a world in the next five to ten years where individuals with with simple cognitive impairments, with dementia and other things, have similar um, you know similar changes are made to make sure that basic events like movies and other things are accessible to those individuals. Yes, yes, I know back in the '60s, people were placed in institutions who had uh, mental disabilities, physical and mental disabilities, and they were forgotten about because it was, you know, at that time, um, those people were shunned. And now I am really happy to see people with physical and mental disabilities um, out in the workplace. And I think that is wonderful, and I really think that that needs to happen to have dementia-friendly neighborhoods and stores, and it is starting to happen um, slowly, but it is starting to happen. And Craig, I wish there was a joy gauge when Matt was in the beginning and, and middle. He could have enjoyed that, especially the music. You have uh, music on your joy gauge, um, and how important you know music is. That's very important. And you could just see the difference in people when they listen to music from their their past that they enjoy. They, it's like they come to life. They literally just come to life. Yes, and and one of the things that we found as well in the research that we've done and the work with music is that often when an individual, and this actually was the case with my mother as well, as the, as someone with dementia gets into a care setting later in life. And, and, and that's, it's fairly typical for most situ- people that at some stage uh, they are in a memory care unit and, and a nursing unit at the end. That's the point where the music, sadly, Betsy, is off. The, uh, you know, there's music that's important to you. It's music from your past. It's music that's been going. I know I have music that still goes through my head every single day from songs I heard 30 years ago. Uh, that's music that will always be with me. And, you know, it's important that we make sure individuals have access to that music even at the later stages of dementia. And, you know, in the current world, 
that's usually not the case. And so one of the things that we're very passionate about um, in my team is uh, finding ways to make sure that we can store the information, the songs uh, that are really important to each individual so that regardless of the care setting they're in, which, which you know, often it's a changing care setting as, as someone uh, moves on, and regardless of the nurses or the people who may be in that care setting are changing, that, that it's always clear uh, what music that that person would like, and it's also important to make sure they have you know, access and someone is hoping to play that music when they're at the later stages. Yes, music is very important. My dad was in a nursing uh, facility, and my mom brought his record player, you know, the swing bands from the 40s. My dad enjoyed, and I have to tell the story. Uh, the last time that went to the dentist, he was pretty well advanced at that point, but he still was able to go to the dentist, and I told the dental hygienist, play Johnny Cash, and you won't have a problem. She played Johnny Cash, and she said, you know, he did very well. He got a little antsy near the end, but he did very well. And I said, I told you, <laughs> Johnny Cash relaxed him. <laughs> he loved, my husband loved Johnny Cash. So I would put Johnny Cash on. Is, like, you know, showered is, him, fed him. Yes. Yeah. That is a great so, story. Yeah, so thank you. So music does help. I mean, and you see it. Uh, there's been research, extensive research, with music and showing how they, uh, people with dementia, just, it just registers with them, and they just change right in front of your eyes. They'll sing, they'll clap, move their feet. Um, I always say, Craig, that we have to meet our loved ones where they are, you know, in their stage. Yes. And I think Joy Gage is uh, wonderful, um, really from the beginning to the later stages, because there's so much that you have on there for people to uh, look into. You, I think you have exercises on there and or sporting yeah. and, you know, all different types of activities. So I really want to tell people, check out Joy Gage, really. Um, yeah. Check it out. Yeah, we, we would love for everyone. We'd love for everyone to ch to check us out. But also, um, I wanted to bring up something that you just mentioned that that we're a huge advocate of, and I'm personally a huge advocate of. And that is, when individuals are diagnosed with dementia, you have an ability to document the things that you really enjoy. And this is something that JoyGage can do automatically. But even without using a service like JoyGage, it's individuals can write down and document the exact songs that they really, really like. You know, creating Now you can create playlists on Spotify or lots of other services. Uh, you can create, you know, there, there's so many ways now to document what you enjoy as a person. And it's important for individuals to start doing that early on because, you know, often situations happen such as there's a, someone who's close to a spouse, that spouse passes away, the person with dementia is, is still alive, but the people around them in the care setting won't understand what they enjoy. And if you are able, if we as a society are able to 
make sure that people with dementia understand that there will be a point where they have a harder time uh, the different things that they enjoy but can doc that can actually document it early it, it it will help make sure that those things which those things can be you know brought back to them throughout the rest of their life yes and I I say this um, over and over again it's what the person with the dementia likes their music not what the caregiver likes um, but what Yes. You know, your loved one likes to listen to may may not like their music and they may not like yours, but it's all about their music and what they like to hear. And I can't even stress that uh, enough, Craig. Um, it's a, that's important to have a playlist of different yes. types of music that they like that gives them uh, their beautiful memories back. It, it's amazing. You know, well, it always baffled me that Matt couldn't um, do certain things, but yet he could hum and he could whistle a song. Mm -hmm. That just floored me. It yes, just well, amazed me. And studies, yeah, and studies have shown that even <laughs> in very advanced stages of dementia, the, the human brain will um, respond well and light up when music is played, particularly familiar music. So it's, uh, you know, we're... The brain is a wonderful thing, and music has a special impact. Um, yes, so, it does. Yeah. So, so one, a, a few other kind of interesting things. Sure, the, go ahead. You mentioned too. So, I, I know when I when I went in the past, when I visited various care facilities in the past, I, um, you know, I, I've joked about this, but there's often when you a facility with multiple people there will have, you know, an lunch area, I know things have changed them with COVID, but an open area with something like the Weather Channel playing, or if there's music playing, it will be kind of a very specific generic type of older music. Um, so, you know, often in a group care setting, there will be kind of like, I'll call it play to the masses, a kind of <clears throat> lowest common denominator entertainment going, something that no one really likes if it's specialized for anyone, but, but also things that um, are, you know, not offensive to anyone and that you know, quickly look at. And I, I feel like that is, in today's world where we have access to devices, access to, you know, it's so easy to get an iPad or an iPad type device, including, you know, with, that's, that's secure with a great case on it. There's so many ways now, Betsy, to make sure that individuals actually can have individualized entertainment, uh, even in care settings. I know in the past that's that's the thought of having individual devices has been, you know, not as not well accepted. Even individual televisions are banned in some facilities. But I do believe in the future we should be demanding that each individual person gets music or the movies and the things that are, that, that they actually will enjoy. And I think that's, you know, I don't I don't know about you, but I don't want to ever be in a spot in life where the only entertainment I have 24 hours a day is the weather channel, right? That would, that would yeah, right. feel like that's not uh, the future we all want. That's true. And I think, Craig, that the baby boomers, and I'm one of them, are going to eventually change how we want to be treated in our um, you know older years and at the end of life, 
I don't think baby boomers want to be warehoused in these huge uh, nursing facilities. I think you're going to see more uh, group homes popping up. If I had the money, I would invest in a group home because I think that's going to be the new new way to go. And I also think you're going to see people um, rooming together, such as the Golden Girls situation, because they can't afford to live alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't want to be warehouse sitting there, like you said, in the um, huge main room that they have watching, um, you know, the news or the weather channel, there should be individual entertainment. I think you're going to see that because I think families are going to start demanding that and the individuals themselves, if they could speak, they will want that and they should have it. There's no reason not to. I completely agree. And I believe that we've, in, in the United States, we've sort of developed this suburban concept that, um, when you get older, you're going to live on a cul-de-sac in an isolated house on your own, it's, especially if your spouse has passed away. That will, You'll live in kind of an isolated area apart from people until you're not able to do that anymore, and then you'll move into a large group setting, uh, kind of sort of moving from a spot where you're potentially lonely without, uh, but to have full choice to suddenly a spot where you're around lots of other people but are given virtually no choices. And I feel like that, to your point, Betsy, I think there are so many other living scenarios that are between that that we should be pursuing. And we have to keep transitioning to person-centered care and even further to person-directed care so that the individual with dementia or, or any older individual should be very active in directing their care and making choices about things like when they, when they will get up in the morning, uh, and and you know I think those of us who are advocating for you know changes to the, you know the caregiving world uh, would love to see you know just a, a fairly radical change. I believe to your point, I think boomers and other people are going to be demanding something better than what uh, we have now, and I certainly hope we can help develop a more sustainable and just better living living path forward. Yes. Um, when I was a teenager, and think of nursing facilities, when I was a teenager, I worked in a nursing home, and it was, it was awful. And those people, I mean, okay, I was 16 and 17, so those people were in their 60s. Okay, I'm in my 60s now, but back then I thought they were old, and they looked old, and, you know, people didn't live as long back then, but then they were warehoused in one room, and whatever the um, aides wanted at the time uh, was on. That was not anything that they would have watched. I mean, people were watching, you know, Bandstand, Soul Train. I mean, these people didn't want to watch that. They wanted something else, but they didn't have a choice. And now people are more outspoken. They know they have choices, mm-hmm. and they're making choices. And this is what we have to do, is make our choices known. And, of course, you know, it could go, I've talked about this many times, get your uh, power of attorney in order, get your living will done, so you have in place what you want, what you want your end of life to look like. And it's not being morbid, it's part of living. You know, what do you you're, want? You're, you're abso- yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. And 
you know, I do feel right now a lot of the um, communities and care facilities that are out there it, doing their best, but it's we're we're in a tough time, Betsy. Where staffing, everyone I talk with now, their biggest struggle is staffing. It's it's hiring, but it's even more so retaining good staff, and you know, becoming what we want these uh, them to be, uh, being you know, person directed and uh, you know facilities does require staff that are able to to react a bit differently and make sure that people, for example, can get up at the schedules they would like to get up. And you know, the the real worry I have. Betsy is that while many of us are advocating and pushing for changes and improvements, we're in a world where you know, a lack of staffing is slowing down the innovation and the change that we would like to have happen. So hopefully, you know, in the coming years, we'll um, get that straightened out. Um, um, but but you know, shortages in almost every industry. So I I'm worried that in the next few years we want to. We want to improve, but it's hard to improve without the right people in place. Yes, yes. Um, I could tell you that nursing shortages in hospitals and nursing homes have always been that way. That's nothing uh, new, and because I've seen it firsthand myself. And I think that we need to uh, improve, you know, the the quality of life of people in these facilities, uh, group homes. And I think we really need to uh, have educated people trained appropriately, especially in dealing yes. with a memory care unit. I think that the aides and the nursing staff and doctors need to be specifically trained. Um, and a lot of times they're not trained appropriately or they don't keep going to uh, classes and they definitely uh, need that. I, I agree, and I, I we could ha- take an entire show on yeah, this. Yeah, it's a entire show about that. Understanding, understanding um, medication, and yes. doing medication, having you know, having medication go properly, I think, in its own could be. It, that was a struggle my mother had, um, was you know being over medicated, but then the medication was not working, um, and. and you know, my, we were told my mother was a specific situation. They never, they, you know, they, they were confused by her situation. But then after my mother passed away and I started becoming more of an advocate, I've talked with so many people with exactly the same story. that Their loved one was the problem. They couldn't get the medication right. And, and now that I've become more educated myself, I realize that the medication itself was probably a lot of the problem. And mm-hmm. that's... Uh, yeah, and that just having too much versus the right medication was 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 some, was, was a problem. And you know, I, I do think there's just so much that we can learn um, about you know, people with living with dementia and not over medicating, but also using medication the right way. That uh, it, you know, again, we could have a whole show on that. But I, I, I am passionate that we well, are much better than we're doing today. Oh, I, I agree, Craig. I, the experience that I had with Matt. Uh, my husband medication, especially at the end of his life, you know, you give medication to help with the agitation that causes side effects, um, such as not being able to walk. Um, sometimes medications work the opposite in some people. And, you know, medication is trial and error. 
but yes. the doctors and the nurses need to believe the caregiver when they <laughs> tell them this medication isn't working or this medication is causing these side effects. Um, I had a whole big uh, problem with that. And I told the doctor, the neurologist, I said, you know, these medications are black box for people that are 65 and older. And he said, well, that's the best that we have at this time. And the other thing, Craig, is that a lot of these medications, they're antipsychotic drugs. They are for people who have uh, psychiatric problems. They're not for a dying brain. And they need medications for a dying brain. Am I on a soapbox? Yes, because I experienced this. We need medication specifically yeah, it, for a brain that is dying. Well, and and the other thing, so I heard, I hate the term behavior, which is overused in in this area. But when someone is bored, when someone is frustrated, when someone, um, regardless of you know the, the situation of their brain, when you're bored, you're frustrated, no one is listening to you, you're not able to maybe communicate the same way you would like to, and and you're in a a situation that's frustrating, you will get angry. And, you know, mm-hmm. someone without dementia would get angry in many of the situations that we place uh, people with dementia in. And so I think, you know, there are, a, there's an, there are a number of people who are really active in taking an alternative approach to what's called by many people behavior issues, which is to instead of immediately putting drugs in that will calm someone down because they're antipsychotic or antidepressants, but instead of doing that, uh, trying to understand the root cause of why someone is agitated uh, can actually have a much better, if, if, if you can solve the root cause versus you know, numbing someone's brain, that is a much, much better approach. Absolutely, absolutely. Craig, especially in a nursing care facility where the staff is um, short, you know, not enough people, mm-hmm. and someone's sitting in a wet diaper, um, okay. the, yes, they will be agitated. It's uncomfortable. And they might act oh, out absolutely. because they are uncomfortable. So instead of having enough staff to change their diapers as often as they should, they just throw some pills down their throat. Um, not in all places, but I've heard stories and I've seen it. Uh, we need well, to take better care of our loved ones in the facility. That These facilities really need to get to uh, modern times um, because yeah. they, they're going to need to. Yeah. I think in fact, one of the missions, core mission of Joy Gage is, is to try to eliminate boredom. You know, I just believe one of my fundamental, you know, advocacy things is that Humans need to, all of us as humans need to feel like we're contributing and we need to feel like we are doing interesting and meaningful things. And dementia does pull away our ability to do so many of the things that we were able to do before. If you've got you know, Alzheimer's or vascular dementia, your short-term memory will keep you from being able to do some of the things, even you know, playing the same games and things you used to play. And so while we're in this world where there seems like there's a million entertainment and, and, and think options and things to do, um, if we can just make sure that we're able to match people living with dementia to things that they can enjoy and that they can, can do that are still made that's meaningful to them that maybe doesn't take that same level of um, short-term memory, 
I, I, you know, I genuinely believe that is the key to making individuals' lives better. And even in facilities, if people are interested, feel like they're contributing and um, active, they're not going to be uh, as, you know, you're not going to have the, the anger, behave, you know, quote-unquote behavior issues and things that you do today if people are, uh, are, are living a life that is not frustrating. Yes, yes, I agree. I, we all want to be useful. We all want to feel accepted and need to have that, yes. you know, human contact and that we're, um, you know, that we're worthy. One of the most heartbreaking things was when I saw Matt cry one day and Matt wasn't one for crying, he felt worthless. He hated how he was. And he needed to be reassured that he was, you know, loved as he is. And that he is worthy, and we are there for him. And, you know, we need to, you know, really get our loved ones to have a quality of living, um, no matter what their disease is, to make them feel loved and that they can contribute, because they can. And, you know, let's yes. let them do what they can do while they can still do it. And then when they can't modify it, do some modification. Yes. Um, and, and just, you know, I, I, I think the modification is key, and I believe that's where the future lies. And it's something we've tried to do with Joy Gage, but we're just on the you know, cutting edge of, I think, a huge movement or a huge opportunity to, to just take, and I know this, this sounds like a silly example, but there's um, a Sudoku puzzle that is mostly filled out might be very boring to you or I, but if someone loves to do Sudoku puzzles and they're getting to mid to late stage, mid stage dementia, that might be just in which that's something that can be perfect for that person. And there are a thousand examples of that, of just taking something that exists today, making it match and making it accessible to someone whose brain works differently than, than, than the average person. And I feel like those things are the specific items that can make someone have a much better daily quality of life and have a less frustration. Yes, I, I agree 100%. Craig, I just love talking to you. You are inspiring. I just love talking to you. Is there anything else you would like to tell the audience? No, just again, um, you know, I'd like to, to say just to to tell everyone, you know, please, if you haven't checked out Joy Gage, J-O-Y-G-A-G-E, please do. But also, as we get into the holiday season, this is for everyone to to look at, at your loved ones, the people you know who are living with dementia, and to ask the question, you know, are they as active as they could be? Are they doing, you know, are we, are there, are they as active in, you know, daily life? Are they as entertained? And are there things that you can find that will allow them to, you know, this holiday season, um, contribute more and just be a, be an overall more active and happy person. And I feel like that's a, all I'd like to leave everyone with is this is a great time when many of us will be seeing relatives that we don't see to, to ask that and, you know, see if there's one or two small daily changes we can help, um, we can help make. And, 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 and if you're listening to this living with dementia, think about, looking at the different opportunities for yourself to be, to still be active. I mean, there's so many things 
that someone living with dementia can still take part in, uh, you know, look for those activities. Thank you, Craig. And I have to add also a joy gauge. You do not have to have dementia. You can be uh, very well with it and enjoy joy gauge. So it's for everyone. You, you are. I just. You are correct. So I so just want to throw that out there. <laughs> yes. Oh, thank you so much, um, Craig Fowler. And uh, the links will be in the blog on how you can uh, check out Joy Gage. So please read the blog that Jeannie White, the station manager, writes. I want to thank Jeannie White for writing the blog, producing the show, and I want to thank Lillian Caldwell, CEO of Pesha World Talk Radio Network, that makes this all possible. Thank you, Craig Fowler, for coming on. Folks, please check out Joy Gage. Uh, you have, you know, really nothing to lose. Check it out. Uh, I think it's a great app. I think it's a great source for anyone. And I wish it was available uh, for my husband. And this is why I have people on, such as Craig Fowler, because I want to bring resources and pay it forward because I wish I knew about resources like Craig Fowler has, the Joy Gauge. I want you to know about it now, where your loved ones can enjoy it. And this is why I do what I do, and I love doing what I do, because I want to bring resources and have the audience know that there is help out there for you and for your loved one. And so that is um, why I love doing what I do, and I'm blessed and I'm thankful to Jeannie White and Lillian Caldwell for that. And I just want to tell everyone, if you missed any of this podcast, you can hear it again on your favorite podcast outlets. It is free to subscribe to Chatting with Betsy. Some examples is CastBox, Spreaker, Spotify, Amazon.com. And you will hear great speakers. I have phenomenal speakers on, phenomenal guests. I think they're phenomenal. I know they are. I learn something from every guest that comes on my show. I learn from them. And I just want to thank everyone for listening. Please share this podcast to help others. This is what Chatting with Betsy is about. It's about helping others. And I want to wish everybody a happy holiday season. I say happy holiday season because this is international. People have so many different holidays. I can't keep track, folks. So have a happy holiday season. Have a happy and blessed new year and at least a peaceful one. And thank you again for listening. And in a world where you can be anything, please be kind. This is Betsy Wurzel, your host at Chatting with Betsy and Passionate Roll Talk Radio Network. Bye, everybody. Are you looking for an Internet talk radio station for your podcast? Look no further. At the helm of Passionate World Talk Radio are two women that want to provide a spot for you and your podcast to be heard. There are many other places for your podcast, but PWTR has the audience. You will not be disappointed. Our station has been on the Internet for the past 16 years. Call us for more information, 484 484- Three six four one zero three two, or text Jeannie White, station manager at p h e c o n n e c t s h o w at gmail dot com 
for our podcast show details. Thank you for listening to Passionate World Talk Radio. You can listen to this program all over again by going over to https colon forward slash forward slash passionate world talk radio dot com. You can also hear it on Spotify, Spreaker, Amazon A L E X A, AMFM two four seven dot com every Tuesday evening between eight and nine PM. YouTube Facebook, Facebook Live, LinkedIn, and all the other podcast directories one can find on the Internet.